And money's not that hard to make. Once you start figuring out what you want to do, money's really not that difficult to make. Keeping the money is what's difficult. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs. But there's so much more to the story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huber. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Ben Baller. How you doing, man? Oh, good, man. How you doing, boss? Doing well. All right, so we got to take it back and you talk about how you came into the world. And I assume, you know, it's covered in diamonds, a briefcase, go pull cash. Like, where did it all start? Well, you know, I was born in Los Angeles, South LA. Yep. Funny, I was, I was born on Crenshaw, Crenshaw Boulevard, man. Nice. Like, infamous, right? 1973, born in LA, really for real LA. I take pride in that, you know, like a 213. Yeah. The whole city was 213 from the beach all the way to almost Orange County. I think it was 213 everywhere. In fact, it was 213 even all the way in San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, you know, central LA where it's, I'm 90% sure it's still 213 in Koreatown. In fact, I don't know why I'm even getting a fuzzy a thing. But yeah, I was born and raised Koreatown. It's 323 and 213, I think now, right? Yeah, but I think it still doesn't get 323 until you get to maybe Crenshaw or La Brea. Got it. I'm, I'm almost positive yeah. east to western is still 213. So yeah, it's just, uh, you know, proud to be born and raised in Koreatown. Youngest of three. Mm-hmm. Mom was a, a dress contractor, meaning she sewed dresses. My dad was a professor. But by no means, it's a strange thing, right? Like in a way you could be on government housing, on welfare and certain things, and your benefits aren't that much worse than a lower middle-class family, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It really is, you know, like- Honestly, I think in some ways that's how it should be, like in, in a weird way. Like, I don't think, like we're in a country that has a lot of wealth. I don't think anyone needs to be suffering before below that level, you know? What I mean is like, I went to school with kids who had food stamps and things like that. And, you know, we didn't qualify. Maybe we could. But the thing was, we weren't destitute in any which way. But with that said, in a way, living in the hood kind of, you know, people think like, oh, you guys are privileged. I'm like, well, how privileged were we? You know, really, if, you know, we're talking about one person is working, you know, 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. The other person is working from 4.30 in the morning until 6 or 7 p.m., sometimes even later. So, you know, my mother's working almost 80 hours a week where my dad's working, whatever. And so, like, I'm a latchkey kid. So, you know, just uh, just, just, just different times, you know, different weird yeah. things that are going on during then. So, you know, born and raised in Koreatown, heavy hip-hop influence in my life. Yep. It's a very taboo thing. It's exotic at, at this point. It's not... When did that start? Because 70s is early hip-hop. So, I mean, what, what age were you when you really started getting into hip-hop? Seven, eight, you know, you are so 1980, 1981 kind of the time. Breakdancing, you know, Grandmaster Flash, listen to Scorpio, Grandmaster Melly Mel, Sugar Hill Gang, obviously, Africa, Bada, all that stuff's 81, 82. And then around 82 is when shit started getting deep for me. 82 is when I met Ice T, kind of became my unofficial godfather, was breakdancing at the infamous Radiotron nightclub, which it debuted in the movie Breakin'. This was like way back when New Line Cinema was like the, the cutting edge, you know. They were like the independent, yeah. you know, I think it was Yolan and Globus or Glo- Golan and Yobliss or whatever the fuck it was, that producers and just, just different times then, you know, and just, yeah. I really cherish and enjoy, I admire all those memories. I just talked about on my podcast, how difficult of an upbringing I had, but I had almost no stress except for getting robbed or getting beaten up by some gang members, right? And I was involved in some bad activity, but those type of things were okay, if that sounds crazy, right? Like there's a movie called Shaft, right? It was the remake with uh, Jeffrey Wright and Christian Bale. Mm -hmm. And Jeffrey Wright tells Christian Bale, he's like, hey man, hey Hollywood, 
you know, in the streets, I'll kill somebody. You know, you need this, whatever. It's all good. He goes, but I get to Wall Street and I get to the Upper East Side or whatever. Like, you know, I can't size, these people size me up. You know, I get nervous. You know, people in the streets, even if you got a ton of money, let's say these people probably make more, you know, if you're, you're a cartel guy and you make, but then you like pull up to like the Burgundy room at the Plaza Hotel or you go like the, the Polo Lounge or something and, you know, you feel out of place and, you know, it might make you feel weird, right? Because you didn't grow up in those, those areas and like, but you have the money. It's just, you don't have the, you know, just the upbringing or the, or the stature or the whatever it is, right? And so, like, I said, had I stayed in Koreatown and never, you know, ventured off into a different school and went to an area that was, I was, you know, didn't fit in, and I think I would have been a lot happier in life, you know? I think that, yeah. you know, being around people who had money at a somewhat young age and at a very impressionable age, you know, fuck me up, you know? Like, it, it I mean, I always liked money as a kid, you know? I always liked nice things and, oh, yeah. man, want a Trans Am, I want this, this, and this, but, you know, early on, you know, I just, I wanted a gold Rolex, I wanted a gold chain, I just, I don't even know why, I just saw it on, on, on rappers, and I wanted that stuff, and, yeah. and I went to school with rich kids, and, you know, half my family is Jewish, so, like, Jewish people are always, they've always been the most shrewd business people in the world, and they're the kings of being either low-key or super fucking flamboyant, <laughs> and, you know, it was just a, it was just a different thing, you know, growing up in those yep. times. You know, and so were your parents super supportive of like the breakdancing and that side of things? Like, no. My older brother is, me and my brother are somewhat far apart. We're eight years apart in age, uh, a little over eight years. And he was kind of into it, but he supported me because he was one that could drive me to places and stuff. And I was going to, I mean, pretty far, you know, I was going, I was for, for, for where I was, I was going pretty far to go, go on these breakdance competitions. You know, I was going to the Sanita Mall. Uh -huh. Rito's Mall. There's a lot of breakdance going yeah. on schools. I wasn't doing anything in the in, in the Northern California area, but there is no hip hop on the radio. KDAY kind of existed, but not really. So in order to really hear, like it, it would it'd be alternative in a way. Like K Rock played it once in a while. You'd hear a song because they were cool, and uh, there was a really famous DJ at the time named Poor Man. And Poor Man was on K Rock, and he would do these weird things. And at the Huntington Beach Pier, like in '82 or '83, there was a breakdance competition. And I went and it was like an open, just, you know, whatever. And there was like, yeah. maybe like seven or eight contestants. And I remember winning, you know, they're like, holy shit, this guy's a kid. All the other ones else was, a, I was always battling adults. Yeah. You know, so it was like a funny thing. And, you know, it was just, it was just a, that, that's where it started, man. You know? And so you said you ended up going to a different school. Like you weren't, didn't go to school in Koreatown or what, what happened there? I got involved in gang activity, man. And really, you know, if my kids, my kids said they're involved in a gang, I would fucking beat the shit out of them. I think I'm a little bit more, you know, I, I'm more hands-on by a million percent compared to my parents, right? They thought that I was a pretty good kid. They knew I was a troublemaker, but they had no idea. You know, I was a troublemaker at school, but, you know, I got good grades, right? I think I think I was blessed with decent genes. My brother is brilliant, you know. I would say maybe legitimately a level below Stephen Hawkins. Like, that's smart, you wow. know. Mensa, above Mensa. He got a 1580 on his SAT when he was 14. Oh, Jesus. My dad put him in the hospital because he missed the, the, the question and he couldn't go to his thing because... He had so many beatings on him, and my dad was embarrassed to show him to the people. And so uh, they were like, want to celebrate in the city that he had the highest SAT score in a while, and he couldn't because my dad had beat the shit out of him so bad. And like, those are the type of things. My brother graduated from high school with so many credits, he finished, fulfilled his first year at an Ivy League school. His first entire year of college was already because he had so many AP classes. Yeah. Right? Wow. And meanwhile, my sister was pretty smart, and I was like, you know, like I, I, I got everything. I was street smart and everything, but I got enough to do what I had to do. But when it came to conduct, back in the day, I don't know how that works now, but conduct is a part of your grade. Oh, got it. Well, I had an A in the academic part of things, but I had a D or an F because I talked a lot. I passed notes. I would talk to chicks. 
So, I would not have done well with that type of grading. I was I was the worst in school. <laughs> yeah, so, me up. so with that said, you know, I got involved in gang activity with kids and probably around seventh grade. I think with breakdancing, it kind of went, I know it sounds crazy, but it almost went two and two to, you know, just went hand in hand with each other. And a lot of the, the breakdancing handed up in the inner city. You didn't really see it. Like you see dancing after like you got served and shit like that. You see the you see white kids dancing, whatever. There was, there was, I'm just going to be honest with you. There wasn't even 1%, 1%. Of white people at any of these contests, never. Yep. You know, you see Filipinos, you see blacks, you see Latinos. Yep. There was Asians, but it was, you know, it was, it was either Filipinos, which are like more Pacific Island. It was just different. You My know? wife's Filipino. <laughs> you know, I got involved in gang activity. You know, so what happened yep. was from sixth grade to about eighth grade, I got kicked out of five schools. Got it. My brother, my dad was just like, yo, man, I don't know what to do with you. You know, like my dad's a scholar. He had a PhD. He had no money at all, but, you know, he had all the, he felt like he had the bragging rights because his education was, was such a big deal. And I was like, look, man, you know, and, you know, for the longest they pumped it, you know, like you got to do this in school and do this. And it was just like, look, I, I didn't get it because I wasn't going to be a doctor. I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I wasn't going to be a teacher of certain things. And teachers weren't getting paid shit. And, you know, if you're not going to do a special, like if you don't have a special profession, you know, or some sort of vocational something it just wouldn't make sense right like even business school i get it to a certain extent but like you know why go to business school at cal state northridge when you know you're not going to have the same opportunity getting out of school as going to harvard law or going to usc school business or whatever you know going to warden or whatever or warren so my dad had he had given up you know my brother and sister were up boarding school mm-hmm. they were on financial aid which is a weird thing especially during like the 80s to be in financial aid for high school and going to school three thousand miles away from koreatown yep and it was a tough life. You know, my brother got sent away at like, shit, I was a little kid. I was, I, I don't think after six or something, I didn't really see anything. And he, I idolized my brother, you know? Yeah. So by the time he came back, I was already uh, like nine, 10 years old, you know, starting to break down. So my brother was 18. So he's ready to go to college. So he had time to hang out. Yeah. And he's off to college. So my parents moved me to Beverly Hills. Well, my dad moved me to Beverly Hills. We moved in a tiny little apartment. And I always say the story, it really reminded me when I watched the movie Karate Kid for the first time, which I think was around 82 or 83. Mm-hmm. First time I saw Karate Kid, you see Daniel LaRusso. He moves from some, you know, New Jersey area, not really bad or anything, but he moves to, to Reseda, which is like yep. part of the valley. And, you know, you go to Encino and you see these rich kids. And that's literally how I felt. I felt so out of place. I was getting sized up, man. I was like a poor dude from south of Wilshire, let alone like damn near south of Olympic and just in the slums of Beverly Hills. And I was like, wow, man, like I really don't fucking like it here. Like there are, yes, there's some really nice, pretty girls here. And there's this, this, and this is great networking, but why the fuck would they want to fuck with me? You know, like I have nothing to offer. It was just, yeah, I, I had all the confidence in the world. It was just, you know, these, I would say something as kids like, oh, so what do your parents do? Or what do you do this, this? And, you know, I just felt like, I, I, I'm going to lie to you, like, it's terrible. It's society. You know, I felt, uh, yeah. I felt like a loser. Yeah. And kid, honestly, uh, kids can be tough too. Like kids are not, you know, even if they're brought up well, a lot of times they're not as patient. They say things like, what do your parents do? Not knowing that that might not be the best thing to ask everybody. Cause if it's, you don't like, if they don't feel good in the answer or don't want to share that kind of thing. To be honest, even if I don't like somebody, I'll at least be fair. Right. Yeah. So even if people were to be a dick or being rude and that's a question that sucks. So you sit there and be like, Hey man, are you gay? Hey man, are you, are, are, listen, are you like mixed? Are you black or are you what? You know what I'm saying? Like just yeah. those defensive questions, right? Like, but at the same time, I want to say truly that a lot of kids were oblivious to it. And I think that yeah. a majority of them, meaning could it be in 51%, right? 51% is the majority. I would give the benefit of the doubt that 60% of them didn't know it was a rude question. They just, right. that's just what I mean. yeah. you know, and, and that's fine. It just sucks because, you know, 
I'd say my dad's professor, you know, whatever. And, and uh, there's nothing ashamed to, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not, yeah. you know, especially at UCLA, it's a good school, but yeah. there was no, like, you know, he wasn't a producer of a movie or didn't own a company or something. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was, a, it was a tough time. I'm not gonna lie to you. It was a really tough time. So, you know, academically, I struggled there a little bit as well, but sports was a thing. You know what I mean? That was what yeah. saved my life, tell you the truth. And I look back at it and it's like 50, 50. Now, would I change anything? Sometimes I've said, nah, I would never change anything again. And then now with all the money that, you know, that I could want, I truly do think about it. Now, it would not yeah. would it take away my wife and my kids. Then absolutely not. I wouldn't change anything, but right. would it, would it change other things? You know what I mean? If I didn't go to school there, I didn't do certain things. Like I just, I think about that and I think about the pain that still might be in suitcases that I'm carrying all this baggage from, you know, some of the PTSD almost in a way of being in that situation of, of feeling embarrassed a little bit and not wanting my dad to come pick me up at school in 82 Celica that was beat up and broken down. So like, you know, a lot of that was motivation to say, fuck this, I'm going to make it someday or somehow. And even like, you know, I remember I got kicked out of Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. So it was jeopardizing my athletic scholarship. And I moved to the Bay area to go see my brother. My brother left East coast, transferred to Cal totally laid back more his vibe granola Birkenstocks you know smoking weed and this and that you know my brother found love in the Bay Area found his wife there and everything and I think my behavior was too intense for them and he'd have to try to like tell them to dumb it down and be like hey listen this is my brother you know he's he's gone through a lot he's been through a lot of schools and yeah he's tough and I'm going and now I'm going to another culture sock to where I'm in a school with 600 kids in a squ one square mile radius of a small town where, you know, girls rent their dresses for prom dresses. I went from like one extreme to another to another. Yeah. Yo, man, I'm better off in the hood, bro. Cause this, <laughs> at least in the hood, they have aspirations. These people have no problem staying here for the rest of their life. I'm like, Fuck yeah. let me go across the bridge to San Francisco at least and figure things out. But you know, I just had aspirations. And I think a lot of people are like, yo man, you sound so fucking like, like you talk so stupid. You talk. So I, th I thought about even before I've known me in this podcast, and I totally forgot I'm driving home and I just had a thought about my sister-in-law and she was like, you know, I don't know where Ben gets this idea. Like he's going to go shopping and get this and get some Jordans and go get this. And it was like the, the things that I wanted. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. And people were like, oh, you should save your money. And yes, I learned all those things, mm -hmm. but I'm worth it. It's something. important to have fun along the way. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying I'm in a situation to where I could technically say, fuck you and, and not do anything for the rest of my life. Yep. I could technically say, I'm not going to do anything whatsoever in my life. And all the kids still go to private school and still do everything they got to do. I still drive what I want to drive, boom. Yep. But it would shorten things, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. I agree. Yeah. You know, so I, I do have to hustle and stuff. But I mean, having that purpose, by the way, you get bored. Having that purpose is so important. I have enough friends that have sold their companies and I've turned down enough that it's like, no, nah, I like what I'm doing. Like, as much as a bunch of cash in the bank is fun, having a passion, having something to hustle with is a lot more fun. But that's the thing, though. You know, I think some people don't even have one successful career in their life, right? Yep. I've legitimately had three full actual professional careers that were successful. And to find passion now, I'm in a, not vertigo, what is it? I'm like, not in a whirlwind. It's, I'm in an elevator and, 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 and I don't know if I'm going up or down or left or right. I'm just like, literally like, Disoriented. I don't have a ton of motivation these days. Mm -hmm. My kids, that's everything, you know? So, yep. you know, again, uh, I take less jobs on, spend more time with family, but there's doesn't mean that there's business moves that won't be made because, you know, the same person that's investing 
$5,000 into a stock or into a, yep. uh, into a cryptocurrency. You got someone who's investing 500,000 or 5 million. Now, yep. imagine that person at 5,000 is making up money to kind of save here and there. Boom. Imagine the person with five, it's, it's, it's increment so far. The, right. the, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's a different level and you understand why people do better who have money. So totally. And you get access to more when you have more money. There's deals that you can do with more money that you can't do with less. You can't get into certain deals. You can't get access to, can't buy a piece of real estate. You can't do certain things with five grand, half a million, a million, five million. You start to get open up a whole different world when that's the tranches you're taking. And not to, not to fuck up everyone's shit, but you know, they said Elon Musk paid 1% of his federal or no federal tax, like whatever. Like, I'm not going to be a dick. Like, look, man, there's nothing illegal, but there's so many fucking bylaws and loopholes. Oh, yeah things that people just don't know about they really are yeah, that's a hundred percent true like i mean when that came out about trump about not paying taxes it was like yeah that's what most real estate people do because you can de accelerate depreciation on real estate I meaning when you buy a piece of real estate you can take the 39 year depreciation and accelerate it so that you get to write off all the losses for the next 39 years on the building now and then you'd kind of it's kind of punting it you're punting the problem but you deal with it later but if you're that's keeping cool. the building it doesn't matter life is a write-off yeah right you know, like meals, yep. things, you know, just people don't get it. Yep. You get a good accountant to sit there and be like, all right, boom. Yep. I had a situation where I had the IRS put a federal lien on my account. I was like, the fuck? How yep. the fuck do you for state tax? Boom. And then my, my accountant's like, who, who, what's the name on there? I'm like, oh, you fucking know somebody at the IRS? Come on, bro. Like, it's serious. He goes, yeah, I know the guy. Because actually, I know that person directly. In 10 minutes, the item was removed because my accountant called the guy. Be like, no, dude, we took care of this. I'm yep. like, Shit, how the fuck do you know? That's, that's a good accountant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he sent me, you know, you get the letter to your corporation, like, yeah. hey, boom, I'm like, hey, uh, I can't refinance my house for the this deal because there's a lien here. And he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. He's like, calls back an hour. He goes, hey, bro, it's done. I was like, that's impossible. He goes, no, no, trust me. Tell the bank to call back. And the, the IRS, I was like, you talk to the guy directly? He goes, that guy, I know that guy. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well done. So taking it back to this, give me the story. You get, you go, you finish high school. What happened next? Finish high school, go to college. Where, did you go to UCLA or where'd you end up? UC Berkeley. You know what the funny thing is? Can you fucking believe this? <laughs> I was willing to walk on to the football team at UCLA, yeah. which I could have because I was, I was good in football, right? Yeah. I did not want to leave Los Angeles. You had no idea how bad I didn't want to leave. Now that's one thing where it ended up being a, a, being a, being a blessing. My dad being a fucking head of the Asian studies department we had the dean of, of the Asian, of, of Asian studies. So two prominent people at UCLA write me recommendations. I couldn't even get accepted to pay for school at UCLA because my last name was Yang. And they were already at, I think, a 61. This is back in 91. So think they already had like a 60% quota. Like, come on, man. It's way too many. Dude, UC Irvine right now, I heard, is at 80% Asians. Like, it's really, it's really bad. Rough. The fact that that's even a thing, though, like... I just hate it. I think the best people, like the people, I, I get giving certain people opportunities, but when it becomes racial, either way, I think it's just awful. Let me explain something why. When you go to Asia, you have to understand to go to Harvard, you become, or you've already accepted you're a loser in life. If you get accepted to Harvard because you couldn't get into schools in China or Korea, you're just a loser. You're going to the other school in America because you're a loser. Do you want to know why? Because they go to school seven days a week. They go to school seven days a week and their school is a 10 times harder. So obviously the most universal thing is going to be math, correct? Right. Yeah. And the other parts, now they're learning English at all these schools. So by the time they come over here, their work ethic academically is so farther advanced than what we got. Yeah. And SAT shit's a joke. I mean, it's yeah. really a joke. Like they, 
you know, I mean, if, if I really focused, all right, I need to figure out how to get a really good SAT score. I, I think I could achieve that, right? Some people just can't because yeah. mentally can't. But the way it is over there, it's different. So when you see these UC schools, they're like, all right, well, cool. I forgot what it is now. It might be 14 grand for tuition. But you know, I think, okay, Stanford, 100 grand. You know, you think about these, these tuitions, they're absolutely ridiculous. So you think about people in Asia, they're like, shit, man, even with the out-of-state tax, you know, you're going to get a fucking great education to go to a UC school. All right, yeah. let's go do it. It's just, I, it, Got it. they can't accept that many fucking people. It's fucked up, but it is. So yeah. didn't get into school, got a scholarship to Cal, which is, 10 times higher academically. I had a terrible GPA. I had a 2.5 and uh, my CT score was okay. But again, I got into uh, athletic scholarship. Yes. College first year, because I wasn't starting, I wasn't playing, you know, I got treated like a scrub and I started to realize what happens in college. And I started realizing, you know, it's, it's with anything in the world, you got the people who are doing really well in sports yeah. and now they got boosters and boosters are the alumni who are paying, you know, whatever. Yeah. And like, you know, you got a job and all of a sudden uh, someone goes to the Memorial Stadium and they jump on a lawnmower. That's a drivable one. Go up and down, do about 30 minutes work. And now it's 40 hours of work. And so yep. now the boosters pay that boom. I've had guys go to the gym at the basketball fucking gym. You know, when the, when the stands are like electronic, okay. push the button and the fucking stands go away. And that was, I was like, that's what you're doing for work. Yeah. Like, Damn dog. And then you got me. And I'm busting my ass, picking up trash or whatever, boom. And, you know, I have no tutors or nothing. The motherfucking guys, the team that did that barely got an 800 SAT score, that couldn't spell the word California. They're the ones that got tutors, don't have to go to school. They're right fucking around. They wake up at 10 o'clock, whatever, boom. It was just crazy, you know, the, the, the privileges, right? So academically, I couldn't do it. There was no, there was a media department, communications department, sorry, not media. Mm-hmm. And so I transferred to SF State because they had a film department. And surprisingly enough, I went to Beverly Hills High. Nicholas Cage went to my school. He was, you know, Nicholas Coppola. His dad is, uh, I mean, his dad is Augusta Coppola. His uncle is Francis Ford Coppola, one of the greatest you know, directors of all time. And they're based in San Francisco. So his dad, Augusta, was the dean of the film department. I didn't know there was no, like, Neptune. I didn't even know Nicholas Cage. But I ended up going there because there was, there was a chance for me to do something just in case, you know. But I really thought I was, an, if I had a 1% chance going pro, I had that Jim Carrey mentality. Oh, one in a million? Oh, there's a chance, you know, like I just thought. So I went to Esther State. I, you know, I had a great time. I played. It was, it was, uh, school was a little easier. It still wasn't like, you know, college is like, it's definitely tougher because it's on your time. And yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you fuck up and you realize, you know, oh shit, catch up is 10 times harder. No one wants to catch up. Yeah. You know, no one wants to be behind. It's just really, it's like being behind in bills. You know, you just never, how do you ever get back? So, exactly. you know, college sucked. I finished, thank God, came back to LA, you know, and was, was on the grind. Was like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I worked as an intern and as a PA, which is a production assistant. Mm-hmm. Got my degree in cinematography. And I, you know, I built houses. I did everything but fucking make movies. Like, it was like, I was like, what the fuck does building a wooden set of, why am I building someone's house? <laughs> what the fuck is a key grip? What is a bed? What the fuck does this mean? You know, yep. and then you realize getting coffee, all that shit, getting talked to, like th- this is so like you know like that Me Too shit. I get it, I understand. Yeah, shit is going on throughout the years. Like you are a Chinese fucking faggot. I'm like I'm Korean. You can't even say the word the f word anymore. Do you know what I mean? You can't. Yep. You will yep. get crushed. You know, and thank God at a young age, meaning like you know in my before teens. You know, I wondered, I was like, hey, man, like, what's going on with your brother? You know, he's, he's like playing jump rope. He's doing different things. And then you realize you grew up with people and you're like, yo, man, like, he likes men. 
And yep. you realize like, shit, that's my boy's brother. I grew up with this guy. Like, I'm, I'm gonna fucking not gonna like this guy. You just see how much hate, how much weirdo shit and what the shit they're going through. And then me being in fashion, right? It's like, bro, how could you fucking not like somebody? You know what I'm saying? That's, 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 yeah, it's ridiculous, yeah. So, you know, like these types of words, you start realizing, you know, going on. And I'm like, I think the most abuse literally happens in the film business. Like yeah. the actors and the PAs and like TV. Well, because there's this like weird, I see it with the, you know, sometimes the agencies too, where there's this like, this extra currency of you get to hang out with famous people that they trade that like my buddy made it to, I guess, agent after being in the mailroom and all that at one of the agencies. And I'm like, and he's a college buddy of mine and you know, six years, seven years in makes it to agent. I'm like, how much are they paying you? He's like, I start at 55 grand a year. I'm like, hold on. You just spent six years just slaving at minimum wage for the opportunity to make 55 grand a year, which I know like, it's just, that's, you know, at our company, our average person makes well more than that. So it's just like one of those things that, and that's not people with six years grinding it. If you've been in my company six years, you are definitely making a lot more money than 55 grand. So it's just crazy to me that that's what these big agencies are paying. And at the agencies, mind you, cause I'm signed to a big theatrical, I'm, yeah. I'm with, you know, these agencies, they send out these letters. Yeah. Tom Cruise is coming today. Brad Pitt's coming today. If anyone makes eye contact with him, you are aspire in the care. If you've been yeah. here, whatever. The fuck kind of email is that? Yeah. But like, you know, like, go get coffee. Shut up, fucking uh, Chinaman, chink, da-da-da, gook. Yeah, whatever. Oh, man, it's a fuck. Oh, I bet you. Hey, do your parents have any fucking uh, nail salons? And I'm like, yeah, I don't get it, man. I will weep. I will beat the fucking shit out of you, bro. Yeah. You guys have no idea. You just kind of be quiet because, you know, there's a, there's a chain of command, right? You know, yeah. you can follow protocol. But, yeah, you know, like, I, I did the intern thing. I worked for fucking a guy who owned a bunch of nightclubs. He was also a movie producer. So I thought that was cool. My sister connected me with this guy. His wife was in uh, the star of a movie called Wayne's World. And I was her PA. And I just at a certain what, point- What I was, was her like, name again? Yeah, Carrera. Yeah. Well, you know, she's Filipino too. And so like, at a certain point, I was like, bitch, go get your own green contacts, bitch. Like, I'm not doing the fuck you get out of here. Like, I'm a jeweler. You don't think I know specifics? Like, it just was crazy. The level of shit, like, I think about- how famous she was, and of course, different types of fame, right? Yeah. She was certain things, whatever. Traditional celebrity, I give her that. The word celebrity is thrown around way too loosely today. I don't consider because you're on YouTube and you made the video. Great, okay, cool. You have fans, technically. The definition of it, yeah, yeah, but no, fuck that. Yeah. No, you're not considered a celebrity to me. What I'm trying to get at is, if I think about the fame and the success and certain things that Tia Carrera has made in life and whatever, never in the history of the world, and I am a dick, I have been an asshole. So many people, I have never treated anyone the way these people have treated me, and they have not even had one-tenth of the money I've made. Yeah. So it's just like a weird thing that, you know, I, I like where the world is going to with certain things, but then they're also, I feel bad for Chrissy Teigen, even though she said some shit that was out of pocket. All right, great. What do you want Chrissy to do? Do you want her to kill herself? Do you want her to be shot? Like yeah, the cancel culture shouldn't be, I don't like that anyway, to be honest. What she did to that guy was wrong, but now it's just being done back to her. So it's like, guys, just all back off. No, it's, I, I'm telling you, like, even if it was, I said it, I said, look, if that was directed to someone I love, my kids would be like, all right, man, get up. But it was like, a, it was, the situation was fucked up already. Yeah. The, 15 year old girl dating a fucking 50 year old yeah that's already fuck you people should judge that yeah no no that's when you judge yeah okay you put your finger in, i didn't say this but just say you <laughs> you do some shit that is completely not right in every sense of the word two kissing two men kissing because the bible says that fuck the bible what that says yeah. that's cool nobody will ever convince me that a grown ass 50 year old man dating a 15 year old girl is okay. There's never, ever, 
Yeah. So she went a little far and said, you know, she wishes she was dead, blah, blah, whatever. Cool. Dog, let it be. It's done. It's over. Yeah. You know? it's just, I, I think there's been a part of this that's just been people don't have better shit to do that hopefully that changes. And so everyone focuses on it because if there wasn't all the attention, then it would be dead already. Meaning like it would just be, you know, the people are giving it airspace is a problem. What I'm saying is, yeah, it's just, it's just, there's a lot of toxicity in, in Hollywood. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So, so how long did, were you doing that? How long did you stay in Hollywood? I mean, it just, I just progressed, you yeah. know, I was a DJ. I was DJing. Uh, I had an opening to find a to DJ at his nightclub. Tia Curry's husband, Ely time he owned three of the biggest nightclubs in the world. He still owns some stuff. I think quietly, some things happened. I think, you know, he, he was like the, he was just a hardcore Lebanese dude. He was crazy. Yeah. This guy grew up like around, you know, like, I mean, think about it. Like, you know, you grew up in Lebanon during Beirut. I got, I got a bunch of friends from Lebanon. I know what you mean. <laughs> but imagine Beirut in the early 80s or early 70s. Yeah. Like, like, come on, bro. Like, you see people carrying machine guns at 15, killing other people. It's like, all right, well, okay, we're going to America now. It's like, all right, you know, like, kind of crazy yeah. shit is that, right? And they're still going on. And, and Lebanon was really bad just last year. Yeah. So he was the kind of guy like, what? Come over here and suck my dick. I'll fuck <laughs> you. I'll kill you. Like, they talk like that. You know, they talk yeah. like, mafia whatever anyways you know i still got on his good side or whatever and you know he gave me a couple so he gave me you know i don't even know if you remember me now which is crazy because i'm sure that i could but his relatives they still own the business they still own a few nightclubs and things but you know he owned the world famous roxbury it was at one point the most famous club in the world and you know yep. what i mean the roxbury it was a parody of it but yep. one night the dj didn't make it because he was smoking crack <sighs> So they said, how far do you live? And I happened to live literally five minutes away. Yeah. I went home on my records and came back and boom, got the job. That started me in, you know, in Hollywood. And, you know, I ended up working, uh, getting a job at Denzel Washington's restaurant, bar, nightclub. And that opened probably all the doors for me. My godfather reintroduced godfather, like my, my you know, my Hollywood godfather, he is such a iconic legend in rock and roll in Hollywood as well. He has a you know Hollywood star on the Walk of Fame and everything. His name is Lou Adler. Oh yeah, he, of course. He put me on to so many things. He got me a better attorney. He's a. I was just with him last week at a Dodger game, and like, you know, I can't tell you just the the power his name had when it came to certain things. It's just all the things that were attached to him. <laughs> How do you connect with him? His son is my best friend of mine growing up. Me and him were best friends. Got it. Gathering me a best friends and uh. I think he knew, and his dad was tough. His dad knew they had money, you know what I mean? His dad wasn't the type of guy like, oh, let me, hey, we're all going to go and I'm going to buy everybody's shoes there. This, no, his dad wasn't like that, man. You know, yeah. he had to work on it. And Nick had a lot of leeches in his life. I'm not going to lie. You know, people came in and out of the lives. They knew what the time it was. I just knew, look, man, this guy's kind enough to take me into his house and his family and let me stay here. And, and you know, while I was going to college, I missed things. When I came back, he still treated me like fam. He was picking me up at the airport, you know, whatever. And I didn't have a car. And he just kind of like groomed me into certain things, you know, we, and we just, you know, and then I ended up working for him and working for his dad. And just, you know, when it was time for me to do my own thing, his dad understood. And his dad was like, yo, man, it's ready for you to leave the nest. You know, and Nick was like, kind of like looking for something to do too. He didn't want to just run his dad's companies. He wanted to do something too. And when I kind of started getting up there, you know, I think we had a, he had a little resentment towards me, but then we came back, you know, and it just, I love this guy to death, you know, forever for the rest of my life, you know. Was, That's awesome. You know, if we don't see each other once a year, maybe, you know, still uh, try to keep in contact somewhere or the other, but Nick is still doing big things. And, you know, his dad, man, his dad just was a, a big crutch ladder. Wait, Nick who works with Snoop? No, that's a different. Okay. 
Okay. Just confused Nick Adler. I know Nick him Adler, pretty well. The Roxy, the whiskey. Um, Got it. Part of Golden Voice. He owns a restaurant called Nick's on Beverly. It's a, it's a vegan yeah. restaurant. He owns one of the most famous vegan burger places called Monty's Burgers. It's real famous. Awesome. Host a, a, a vegan fest. He's just been always involved in a bunch of shit. You know, he was yep. in business for a little bit as well. And he's all over the place. Got it. Nice. And so you started Progress. You start working at Denzel's restaurant in that you said open, just open up all the intros you needed and the kind of network. Met Dr. Dre there, like for real on a personal level. I met Tupac there, met everyone. I DJ Jada Pinkett's birthday party there. You know, just started meeting people and through there. Dre got me connected with Brian Turner, who was a president of Priority Records. And yeah. I got a job there starting off in the mailroom, such sort of, for lack of a better term, starting off at the bottom, but not the mailroom. Within two years, I became vice president of the label. Got and it. Up there, went with Dre to Aftermath. I was with Dre for two, three years. Then left. And what'd you do at Aftermath? What, were you, what was your responsibility? In our artist record. Nice. Left Dre, decided just to independently DJ. I was just, well, we're being honest here. And hopefully, I was selling drugs. I was selling weed. It was illegal at the time, right? And I was selling weed cross country. And, you know, it's, it's funny how all these, well, a lot of places are expunging 25, 30,000 people from any kind of cannabis crime. And, you know, there should be way more than millions of people that should be out of jail. Yeah, it should be out. I agree. Especially because it's a plant, right? Yeah. So I, it's uh, legal. Like, it is pretty much legal. Like, if no one can go to jail for it now, they shouldn't be keeping people in there. It's insane. Think about Florida. I mean, think about uh, Canada. Yeah. It's federally legal in the entire country, Canada. You know, entire yeah. And it will be here soon, probably. No, it will. It will. It's yeah. just matter. So, yeah. that being said, um, I was selling weed illegally. And, you know, uh, I, I uh, made a movie full feature film that came out at a very short lived, maybe two week theatrical release, but it went then went to DVD and everything. And then uh, I uh, was, was selling drugs for like two or three years and it was doing really well. And I was buying sneakers and I was, you know, DJing still. So the DJing was at least giving me a job and I love DJing. So I wasn't going to stop until yeah. I just got sick of everything again. And I just was like uninspired and I sold all my possessions and selling my possessions through a bad taste in my mouth put just under $3 million in my bank account. Mm -hmm. And with the right tax write-offs and everything else, most of that money ended up being my name because that was money that I had, I had basically, it was like a garage sale. At the time, it was a very unique way of doing things. eBay now has in cra crazy tax, like 10% tax, and PayPal has another four. It wasn't like that back then, right? This is 04. Yep. I decided to travel for an entire year. I was petrified of flying, but I said, hey, look at, you know what? I think the only way to get cultured and really see the world is go see the fucking world, you know? Let me go to Asia, nope. let me go to the south of France, let me see how rich people, let me go here, let me go here and here. I went to Brazil, you know, you name it. I've been to so many different countries and I felt like, wow, now you get to really realize, all right, well, at that time, I'm like, you know what? I've been seeing some beautiful places. I've seen some wealthy people, beautiful girls, and guess what? America's still the best fucking- I totally agree, man. I travel a ton and I'm like, LA, honestly, I still think LA is the best place. Saying, like, imagine going on TV and being like, you know what? fuck donald trump and then the next day the police are in your house and you're arrested and you're going to jail for like 30 years like what the fuck are you talking about yeah like, exactly yeah in singapore you know you spit gum on the floor boom yep. i get you're going to jail so yep. you know, certain things are just like but again now today in 2020 yeah. it's it's close the gap yeah. 2004 it was like not even a question now yeah. it's like okay well it's kind of better i don't know but like yeah i could live in japan i think you know there might be yeah. It's it's it could be an argue it's arguable. Yeah. Before it was not arguable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but you know the world has changed so much. And again, so yeah. you know, I came back and I did a lot of soul searching. 
I was engaged for the first time in my life. I thought I was getting married a thousand. I was, I was it. I was ready. I thought I was ready. I was 31 at the time. And I realized I just, I'm just too fucking immature. You know, I got a lot of growing up to do. And I finally, you know, I figured it out. I was like, hey, man, let me just try jewelry. Let's see what happens. How'd you fall into that? Like, where did that come from? You just liked jewelry and wanted to? My cousin Steve was uh, was doing jewelry. You know, he never went to college. I think he might have went to City College for a little bit. Yeah. He was uh, running his dad's business. And, you know, he was making good money. They, they, you know, it was, it was really good money in jewelry because jewelry is almost like real estate in a way, right? You always have, as long as you have inventory, you have money. True. Yeah. No matter what, you know, and it just was people say, oh, jewelry's a con, blah, blah, blah. You know, depends. You know, if you really know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, money in it and you know getting involved with my family was was something i did not want to do i was slightly reluctant to that and then i decided to do a certain way and they thought that hey maybe i could bring in you know they thought i was pretty good with my mouthpiece there wasn't really much social media back then there was friendster in myspace and uh i was like you know what man i've just always been on a competitive level yeah. you know no matter where i was i was like i remember going to track meets and being like all right well i'm kicking everyone that's my school okay great now you're getting another school now you go to a invitational there's like five seven ten schools like, okay cool and now you realize i i i, I love competition yeah I didn't enjoy it. the only thing was the competition was the earth it wasn't los angeles you know it was the earth so yeah you know it's 2005 you know it's been what 16 years now right so 16 yeah. years i've been doing jewelry and i've had maybe four major glow-ups like I, I i when i say glow up i mean like there was four boosts where like you know like kobe's 81 point game or like you know yeah. what i mean yeah. It was just like, it just took me to another level. It took me to another level. And it just, I finally catapulted to, I think, to a level of, and I think there's a level above where I'm at right now, but I think for what people are doing, I don't even see in my rear view mirror anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that's why I might be a little uninspired lately, but you know, I'm here now. Obviously I have other businesses, Yeah. but that's what people know me as. You know, I think for a very long time, I had a hard time telling people, like, hey, I'm a jeweler. And I didn't really believe I was a jeweler, even though I was a, I was definitely a jeweler, you know? Yep. Finally, now when I believe that, okay, well, no, I, I'm a fucking jeweler. I'm actually an artist, you know? Okay, well, yeah. I'm big in the game. And then now that, you know, um, I've won Jewel of the Year, like two years in a row, and been globally recognized, and I don't want to do it anymore. You know, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's, it's yeah. but like, you know, I pick and choose. And so I actually have two more questions for you in that sense. So what do you think is next is always a question I like to know. Like you've gotten to this point. It's interesting. Like you've hit, you know, you're one of, if not the top jeweler in the world in your lane, sort of your industry and what you do, there isn't really a lot out there that competes with you. So like, what, where do you take that? What are you thinking? Like, it sounds like you're kind of thinking through that right now. I mean, now, you know, you think about what, like someone like Neil Lane or Harry Winston or exactly. Vera Wang, right? Even Vera Wang has gone into yeah. The dresses, but she's on the jewelry because it's all bridal and there's wedding things. I mean, you know, like that'd be the smart thing to do either while I venture into watches or I venture into wedding rings and things like that and put my name on it and Ben Baller collection, boom, whatever, and then have some investment, get some capital. And not because I, I need the money, but it's because they would come in and do things and bring people in from like, you know, a major corporation and bring it corporate. I mean, that'd be one option. And then I buy my, you know, buy me out, whatever, or continue to do what I do. We have a business and, and yeah. we still do well. I could do this till I'm 70, technically. I don't have to be in any kind of physical shape or form to, to do what I do as long as my hands work and my yeah. mouth works, right? That's one thing. The next thing is, you know, I mean, really, I have a lot of options, you know? I, I just haven't pinpointed what I want to do. You know, I don't... Anyone can sell stocks and buy stocks. Anyone can buy, buy real estate and develop real estate. Anyone can be a landlord, you know? You don't even have to fucking run the goddamn property anymore. You hire a management company and give them 10% yep. everything for you. No one even needs to know yep. anything. So, you know, there's, I, I'm, I'm at a interesting standstill. I want to retire myself by 50. 
Uh-huh. I do have a double full-time job with three children. You know, they're young children. My wife yep. is 11 years younger than me. So they kick my ass <laughs> daily. So, you know. That's um, fun, though. No, it is. It is. It is. I just, I think something to come up, you know, even if yeah. it's. Uh, okay. I think you're you're still active enough, even how we connected. Like, I think you're still out there. You're meeting people. You're talking to people. Like, something's going to, something falls. Like, you know, that's the whole idea of, like, opportunity comes to those who look for it kind of thing. Like, if you're out and about, you're talking to people, something's going to pop up that you go, oh, here it is. Well, look, four or five years ago, four or five years ago, a buddy of mine was working in radio for the last 15 years. He was a DJ when I was DJing. He came a little bit after me, but he stayed and DJ. He ended up being Kanye West's actual DJ for a while too. So he like gained some some notoriety and, and he worked on the radio and everything else. He ended up working for an enormous company in the Bay Area and they were a directly involved with Tesla. Mm-hmm. They're in every single Tesla car there is and other things. And you know, they were getting into all the digital streaming and everything. And so he said, Hey man, have you ever thought about podcasting? I'm like, oh, you know, I've done a couple here and there. And for some reason, we never really talked about it after that. I don't know what happened, but just couldn't lock down a thing. And I think also he knew I would need, he didn't want to just bring me in and be like, all right, well, here's 50 grand, here's 100 grand. Maybe, you know, and I just think situations that he ended up going to Apple Music and I started a podcast. Thank God, you know, I did a, this guy named Michael Rapport. I did a show. Yep. And it ended up being one of the highest episode of listen episodes he has enormous stars on there from like i mean literally literal legends on his show from you know danny aiello to like i mean like so many big people right steve buscemi to you know kevin Durant or whoever just enormous stars and basketball everything and the producers were like hey man we will do everything all you got to do is just figure out what content you want to talk about and so that makes it easy yeah 192 episodes later amazing i'm in the top 40 in the world i'm I'm, you know i'm i've hit the time hit number one a couple times and i'm like this is fucking insane that probably is something that i could end up doing for the rest of my life even more so than jewelry because i could do it anywhere yeah Um, the only thing is i think in order for me to even get bigger with the podcasting i gotta let everything else go not to say i can't multitask if i want to do something and be joe rogan or whatever like that like I, I couldn't do like, you know what I mean? I just have I yeah. pieces and things, but like to be a jeweler, to own a cannabis business and still run a department. Like, no, man, I can't do all that shit. Like, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a struggle right now because we're now that the, the, the pandemic is kind of dying to an yeah. end. You know, I got to figure out like, all right, so how do I spice it up a little bit? How do I take it to the next level with the podcasting? I've gone here. Okay. How do I like, like really cement myself in that top 10, top 20 place and feel like I earn it. I feel like I need to dedicate more of my life to it then. You know, I'm doing two episodes a week, which is extremely hard, man. <laughs> Dude, I do one a week and it is so hard to keep up with, get the right guest, get it done. Like it's tough. It's fucking hard. Trust yeah. me. I'm, yeah. you, I'm glad you know. No, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's one of the harder things I do. And I run a 200 and something person company and <laughs> getting, this is where I'm like now hiring people to help me. Cause I'm like, I, I can't do this by myself anymore. Like it's crazy. So yeah. no, I get it. It's, it's, you know, we have a team and everything and it makes it yep. easier, but even still like. Yeah. Still you. When I, when I think about it. Yeah, no, but it's, it's an amazing thing. So like, you know, yeah. podcasting would be a dream to do until I just can't do it anymore. Nothing else sticks out that I'd want to do. I don't necessarily want to do jewelry until I'm 65, unless I had to financially. I just think, you know, being behind a microphone, that's, that's, I that's think awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So last question for you. 
What's your piece of advice for someone up and coming, just starting out, wants to go for their dreams, something that you don't think they've heard? You know, what, what is that thing that you would want to get, you wish you heard, or you did hear that helped you get there? What's that piece of advice? I mean, as crazy as it sounds, man, just walk, don't run, man. Yeah. I'm going to rush, man. I mean, I, I truly believe I've always been in the sprints. I've loved Ben Johnson, Carl Lewis, you know, fucking, what's my dude's name? Oh my God. Why the fuck am I drawing a blank? What's the Jamaican dude's name? The Jamaican sprinter. What's his name? The fucking uh, Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. Yeah. Usain Bolt. It's great. But that marathon running is, is really where the real endurance and strength is. Like, yep. you know, one of my things is one thing I love to say, which I've done is, hey, where are you going to be in five years? And I look back at that tweet. Wow, how much have I grown? You know, a lot has happened. Hey, man, another child is in my life. There's this, there's this, this, and this. All right, where are you going to be at in 10 years? And you see some musicians who are hot, they're out there having fun or whatever. All right, where are they now? All right, and I'm not trying, it's not, it's not there to be a dick or anything. Yeah. It's about how much, how much, how smart were you with your money? What'd you do? You know, okay, great. You went and bought fucking 10 Gucci suits, you bought 100 pairs of Jordans, and you bought every Louis Vuitton belt. In the, okay, great. Where did that get you now? Okay, fuck yep. you, had fun, blah, blah. All right, well, cool. It's not that cool when you're 50 and you don't have, you know, <laughs> anything to fall back on. So, you know, I tell people, you know, that's the first thing I say. And another thing too is I said, money's not that hard to make. Once you start figuring out what you want to do, money's really not that difficult to make. Keeping the money is, is, is what's difficult, you know? Yep. So like I said earlier, you know, like, do you want to invest five grand or something? Or do you want to invest five million or something? You know, and, and it's possible. So when you have that, you know, your your, your profits and, and just everything's going to be so much larger. Like when I look at my Dogecoin, people say, oh, that bullshit coin, blah, 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 whatever. I'm like, all right, that's great. Guess what? In just a matter of, you know, hours or a day, you know, I jump up 70 grand, 150 grand. You know, I'm just looking yep. at it, looking. And then meanwhile, the same people that are getting happy, they're like getting up 1,500, 2,000. It's a different <laughs> level. And it's like, look, if I want to get out of it right now, boom. All right, I'm getting out and guess what? Look what I've done with this. And it's just the opportunities there, you know? And, and another thing too is, you know, it takes money to make money, right? And, and if yep. you don't have money, you need to have something else. So in a way, it's a very terrible term. And I don't know if, because it was today's, you know, just with what we talked about. And, yep. but, you know, I so said, you got to give a little ass to get a little ass, you know? And, and, and that's something that I really believe in, you know? Like, yep. I don't want to say you got to sell your soul, but, you know, you no, I agree though. And people don't understand that you do have to put in the work. Like people think it's the rhetoric around billionaires now where like, you know, it, it, people assume it was all handed to them. And as you said, like Elon Musk not paying taxes. Sure. That's something to talk about, but Elon Musk took more risk and more crazy shit and created more companies than any person maybe in history. I mean, like when people talk, I see friends that post anti Elon Musk stuff. I'm like, like he might be an asshole, but the dude basically commercialized electric cars and created private space flight. Like, let's fucking relax about calling him out because he didn't pay taxes. Talk to the government. Talk to the IRS. I was in a public fight with dude. Like, we've gone into an issue where, like, yeah. people were fired at his company because of our little spat. But at the same time, like, so now, like, what he says is not right. Like, come on, man, I'm not that dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just got to be like, look, and and yeah. I think it sucks because I had this way that the situation handled whatever, boom. And I had said some things that weren't necessarily great. But the thing is, I was saying the truth about what happened with me in a car. Now, I still have a car on order and I have another car coming this month that's a Tesla. It's like, yeah. come on, man, it's all good. But but what I'm getting at is I think the youth today, everything is microwave. Nobody's thinking about cooking anything in the pot. Yep. You see a TikTok video and it's one minute, right? Yeah. And in that one minute, these kids have gotten so savvy with creating a video and editing it, right? And the people who haven't seen it, they figure it out and they're like, all right, great. But the thing is, they're doing things 
for this one minute of pleasure or the 15 seconds or the two seconds. And then I'm thinking about the long lasting. I'm like, yo, man, you got to let that shit simmer in the pot, bro. Yep. Yes, two minutes in the microwave will heat some shit up really hot. Now, how good is it going to taste? Some of it can taste good. How is it good is going to be for you? Maybe not that great, right? Unless we figure it's else out. It's a great invention, but it gets hot fast. It gets cold fast. When you yeah. got that shit that's been simmered and you got the fucking meat falling off the bone because it's been sitting there and simmering so long and the stew is getting everything. It's just a different type of vibe. And me coming from the sprinter, the guy who, fuck that. I don't want that shit now. I want that shit 17 years ago. I wanted it five minutes ago. I wanted this. No, man, I just, and again, I do realize how crucial patience is, even with money, even with what's going on right now with either stocks or crypto or real estate or even the economy, you know, just seeing what's going on now. Everything is up. I've never heard inflation. Like I, I hear inflation every day. I hear about something. And it's true. It's here. But Oh yeah. Anybody who has money is smart. They're just waiting it out. Like, all right, look, first, all these dumb fucks are buying watches and cars and blah, 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 for, you know, 80% over markup. A million dollar Pokemon card. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, so that shit crashes. Yeah. 100%. Well, Ben, this has been amazing. Awesome story. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate it. Hawk Media is your outsourced CMO and marketing team. We'll dive into your business for free. Identify opportunities in your marketing strategy, then get you teamed up with individual experts, all month to month and a la carte. Whether you're looking for a Facebook advertiser, a web designer, or a fractional CMO, we can help you drive growth for your business. We've successfully grown over 2,500 brands, and we're here to help you too. No matter your goal, we've got you covered. To learn more, visit hawkmedia.com. That's hawk with an E, media.com. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.